0: Beyond Belief on Clare FM Father Peter, you're very welcome to Edith Thank you very much indeed And it's good to see you Many people would know you as a campaigner for homelessness and I'm just curious if I could take you back to your your early days and and your youth and growing up what were the things that kind of inspired you to agitate for for social justice and were there people um, in your youth or were there events in your youth that inspired you to campaign for the homeless?
1: No, I think it was my parents, I think, had a huge influence on me. My father was a doctor in a small town in Urie County Down. And in those days, you didn't have a practice. You didn't have assistants or partners to help you. Yeah. So he was there with his patients, and I would hear the phone going at night time. Uh, and my father would get up and go out to his patients. Maybe it would go twice in the same night, and oh, okay. he'd get up and go out. And I never heard him complain. Sure. So I think I got a sense of service from my father. My mother was a Welsh Protestant,
0: yes.
1: who, in order to marry my father, uh, converted to Catholicism. Oh, okay. Because in those days, if a Catholic married a Protestant, yes, they, they, were going the to, they were going to go to hell for all eternity. So. <laughs> <laughs> so to spare my father that faith, my mother converted to Catholicism. And like many converts, became more Catholic than the Catholics indeed, themselves. Indeed. So we had family rosary every night, mass, of course, obligatory on Sunday. on Sunday. yeah. So I think I got a sense of faith from my mother. Okay. So when I was going through school, I... I think I wanted my life to be of service of to service. other people and within a faith context. And so becoming a priest back in the 1960s was a, uh, a
0: respected
1: and respectable way of, okay. of
0: doing that. Did you choose the Jesuits or did the Jesuits choose you, so to no, speak? No,
1: I, I went to... I, I, my primary schooling was with the Christian Brothers. Yes. and Then yes. I went to the Jesuits boarding school in Klangos. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was sort of... Uh, uh, logical to j- join the Jesuits I knew some of them uh, uh, so they, they, I joined the Jesuits simply because they were the
0: the, the order closest at hand indeed, indeed. So, but, um, um, and very often the Jesuits are considered the theological heavyweights in, in the church you get um, your like, life of service to the homeless yeah how, how
1: do the, the Jesuits, uh, and this is what I really uh, admire about the Jesuits, what I'm really grateful to the Jesuits for, mm-hmm. is they allow you to do what uh, what you really w- want to do. They believe that you'll do your best work if it, you're doing something you really want to do.
0: Uh,
1: so uh, when I got involved in this, they were very happy to, uh, to support me, to see how it goes, uh, <clears throat> and I've sort of done it ever since. What happened to me then, when I joined the Jesuits, I thought I was going to be a teacher. Because a lot of Jesuits were teachers. We had a lot of schools. Indeed. Uh, But uh, I went just before ordination, I went into the inner city of Dublin Mm -hmm. uh, to live there and to work there. Why the inner city of Dublin? Because it was then by far the most deprived area in the whole country. Mm -hmm. Uh, So three of us moved in, three Jesuits, we moved in there. And that was my conversion. I spent six years in the inner city.
0: Interesting. And you you use the word conversion. Yeah. yeah I mean, because, you, you know, the experience of your mother, mother converting. Yes. And is, is it a similar or different kind of conversion, do you think? Well, it was a conversion to,
1: uh, to what I really wanted to do in ah, life. Okay. Uh, sure. I mean, uh, my eyes are set on teaching. Yes. And uh, I would have been happy teaching don't think I'd have been much good at it, but I would have been happy oh, no. doing it. <laughs> but uh, when I went to the inner city and I engaged with the local people there, especially the young people there, mm. they were leaving school very early. Right. We opened a youth club and a craft centre and we had employment schemes for the young people. And uh, that's that's where I left my heart then. I, I really was... Uh, over with them. So I spent six years in the inner city. Mm -hmm. Then they demolished all the accommodation uh, because it was so awful, uh, including the flat we were living in. So we moved to Ballymun then, which, uh, and I've been in Ballymun for the last uh, 40 years.
0: 40 years. And have you seen change and improvements in that time or... Because, you know, people with 10,000 10, people homeless, 3,000 of yeah, those young children, yes. people sometimes despair. Do you ever despair? No, I don't despair.
1: I get angry. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm angry all the time, and I think anger is very important. Uh, we think of anger as something very negative. Mm-hmm. But anger actually, anger and love go together. You cannot love somebody who is suffering unnecessarily mm. without being angry at what's causing the suffering. Yes. So uh, I'm angry. Uh, I think we, are faili- we have failed and are failing homeless people. Mm-hmm. We are not giving them the opportunities to lift up what are often huge burdens from childhood traumas We're not allowing them to to deal with those, and so until they deal with those, they will probably remain homeless and perhaps drug addicted.
0: A lot of people were struck by the letter that you wrote to the Irish Times recently where you mentioned about the young boy who was caught stealing in comparison to one of our TDs and the current situation um, of where allowances were being claimed. What do you think needs to change for that not to happen anymore?
1: Well, we live in a society where... uh, or money is everything, and greed is very widespread. Uh, how do we change that? I don't know. We need a government that's on the side of the uh, of the ordinary people, the ordinary people who are struggling, struggling to pay rents, struggling to pay perhaps a mortgage, having uh, lost their jobs uh, and finding it very difficult. On the side of people who are homeless, on the side of women suffering uh, domestic violence. Yesterday I was at a rally in Carlo trying to uh, get a refuge for women fleeing domestic violence mm. established in the yes. town. They said there's a huge amount of people just are, are fleeing their, their home and uh, finding there's nowhere to go and having to go back to their home that they mm. were fleeing. Indeed. So I think we need a government who is really concerned about the, the ordinary people and the ordinary people who whose lives are, are blighted by uh, by disadvantage or by suffering, and, and they need to respond to that, but so, they're not. So
0: when, when, when you look on at what happens in Leinster House, you look on at the political system, and you see something like a you no-confidence know, vote in the Minister for Housing, Owen Murphy. How do you feel about that? Well... I wouldn't necessarily support
1: uh, a vote of no confidence in Owen Murphy, not that I have any confidence in him, (laughs) but I think just changing the nameplate on the door doesn't change anything. I think it's government policy that has to change. We have a huge housing crisis, huge homeless crisis, it's not being adequately addressed, uh, and we need to change government policy to make it uh,
0: so people like yourself obviously are knocking on that door. Are you getting access, or do you feel you're being listened to?
1: No, not at all. <laughs> I'm ignored.
0: <laughs> you're ignored. So so. You're I'm ignored,
1: a- but they know exactly what I feel and how yes. exa- know exactly what I'm saying and what sure. I want. But no, I haven't. Uh, I haven't met any uh, any government uh, uh, ministers for 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 a long time. Mm-hmm. And I really do. I've come to the conclusion that there isn't much point in meeting them. Really? Really? (laughs) That, uh, you know, you can. I've learned over the years, you can point out the need, you can point out the solutions, but that's not going to get you anywhere, to be honest. Okay. I have come to the conclusion the only way to get change is to embarrass them. Okay. To make it more awkward for them not to do something Mm -hmm. than to do something. So I will try and highlight, like the letter did, I will try and highlight... Uh, issues that uh, make it uh, difficult for government to ignore them, okay. but sitting down and having a meeting, uh, I don't have a lot of confidence mm. in that bringing about
0: change. Okay, but you, you seem to be able to rally people around you, I mean, your your work is widely known, you know, a, a lot of good work happening here in the town of Venice now, you, you're mm. about to o- open uh, apartments as well, so even though you mightn't have government on your side, you seem to have people on your side
1: yeah I think we uh, we get a very we get a lot of support an awful lot of support you know I've been doing it f- consistently for such a long time and I think that uh, that strikes a chord with people mm.
0: and yourself 40 mm. years in Ballymun you're not getting any younger and that's that's no <laughs> substitute yeah to no you. Uh, yes. <laughs> <But> <laughs> I feel that very much yeah. so, so what sustains you what keeps you going
1: What keeps me going are primarily homeless people themselves. The little you can do for homeless people very often, but it means a lot to them. Mm. Just to be treated with respect, to be listened to. uh, And I spend a lot of my time just listening to homeless people. Just to listen to them and to do what little you can to try and help their situation. They know I can't solve their problems, uh, but just to treat people with respect, it it does mean a lot to them and they do appreciate it. And Mm. The one thing they will say to me, and this is the thing I value most, from yes. uh, homeless people they'd say well you're on our side <laughs> okay. and you know they know I can't solve their problems but yeah. They, they, they feel I'm on their side and that really uh, means a lot to me yes. and I really value when they express that in, in, in various mm-hmm. ways mm-hmm. so you can't just walk away from homeless people you, you can't just say look I'm finished uh, I'm going to go off now uh, you've got to continue doing what little you can
0: and and there's a sense that you've learned a lot from them in terms of human dignity
1: I've learned so much they have totally and radically changed me they have They have turned me inside out and upside down. They have challenged my values. They have challenged at least some of my prejudices. They have challenged uh, the way I view Irish society. I grew up in a very comfortable Ireland and uh, I thought Ireland was a wonderful place and it still is for many people. Yes. But then I discovered that for many people, Ireland is a terrible place Indeed. and they have very little chance of uh, improving their their lives uh, if while living in Ireland. Yes. They challenged my understanding of God. They've changed my relationship with God. They've taught me to pray. They've done everything for me
0: really. In, in relation to God and yes. if, if we can maybe just talk about the institution of the Roman Catholic Church and um, I work with young people and sometimes they would say to me why doesn't the Vatican sell off all those precious artworks and look at the wealth that's there have you any thoughts on that in terms of the distribution of the wealth I think it is a scandal
1: but it's an historical scandal that you have a Vatican that is so wealthy You can't just roll back history in a couple of years. The problem with selling off and distributing wealth is it doesn't change the structures. And ultimately poverty in this world and poverty in Ireland is due to structures. We have got to change the structures we have got to change the structure so that they support people who are poor and who are at the bottom of the social ladder and that's far more important than just giving out money to alleviate an immediate okay, okay. Uh, an immediate stress but i am i'm embarrassed at the vatican and its wealth okay. and i would love to see some way of the vatican maybe handing over all its treasures to the to the state and say look here uh, this belongs to the state, not to us.
0: So when Pope Francis came to to Dublin and he he visited Brother Kevin and he he highlights the issue of homelessness. Yeah. Is that important too, or how do you view that?
1: I think it's very important. I think what Pope Francis is doing is a huge sea change in the church. For a long time, the church preached a God of laws, a God who laid down laws, and you have to obey these laws, and your relationship with God depends on how you obey these laws. Uh, and there are many in the church still who who believe that's the God who uh, they, they worship. But Pope Francis is moving us away from that towards what I would consider the God of the Gospels, a God of compassion. Yes. a God Jesus revealed a God of compassion. He lived amongst the poor. He shared the life of the poor. He healed the sick. He fed the hungry. He uh, ate with those who were excluded and unwanted in society. Jesus revealed a God of compassion. And I think Pope Francis is... Trying to reveal that God to the world, and there are those who object and say that he's not laying down the law firmly enough, and therefore he is doing a disservice to the church. But I think Pope Francis is the best thing that has happened to this church okay. for a long time, and uh, I hope that his vision of the church will become much more, much more widespread.
0: Okay, <clears throat> Father, Father, Peter, here here in the town of Ennis and in many places around Ireland, uh, there's a lot of controversy about the direct provisions system yeah. and some of the commentary that you hear is why don't they look after our own first and we have our homeless crisis. we have people coming into Ireland and we have obligations under under international law. Yeah. What's your thinking about that?
1: I think if we had a proper housing system it wouldn't be an issue. We could do both. Uh, our homeless crisis and our housing crisis today is man-made. It is directly a result of government policy. And it's continuing as a direct result of government policy. And the primary government policy, it abdicated its responsibility for building housing and transferred that responsibility to the private sector, particularly the private rented sector. Yes. And it said, you provide the accommodation, we'll give people a grant to enable them to pay the the rent. That policy has totally failed. That clearly has failed, but it's still government policy. So the homeless crisis we have in the housing is a result of government policy, and it can be changed. We could have a proper (coughs) housing system. We need to build social housing. We need to build social housing on the same scale as we used to build it in the 70s and the 80s, thousands of of social homes. We need to take back the empty homes that are empty houses and apartments you see on every street in every town. And we need to prevent the flow into homelessness from the private rented sector. We could deal with the homeless crisis and if we adequately dealt with the homeless crisis we would be able to accommodate both our own people and those who are seeking refuge here in In, Ireland.
0: Indeed, and uh, you mentioned about Pope Francis and, and the compassion. Here's a question for you. Yesterday, it's been Saturday, two Saturdays before the Feast of Christmas and here in the town of Venice when I was walking around there were people begging on the streets. And one dilemma that people often have is Do I give them money? Do I give them food? Do I talk to them? What should a person do? (laughs)
1: I think that's very much up to the individual. I have no uh, problem with somebody giving them a few bob, and I have no problem with somebody saying, no, I won't give them a few bob, I'll give money to a charity that's helping the homeless. I think it's a 50-50 choice, and it's up to the individual. But there's something far more important than giving money, or food, and that's stopping and just saying hello. Mm. Because you're respecting them, you're respecting their dignity. When I'm passing by, I often say, look, I'm sorry, I don't have any change on me. You know what the answer often is? That's okay, thanks. And what's the thanks for? The thanks for just not having ignored them and passed them by. So people say, no, I'll buy them a sandwich. I say, no, don't buy them a sandwich. Go up and ask them what they want. Nice. And if they want a sandwich, go and buy them a sandwich. But it's the asking what they want, that's important because you're treating them as a human being, as a person. And if they say, actually, I prefer the money, then I say, well, why don't you just give them the money? We're going to spend it on a sandwich anyway
0: just thinking ahead to the future do do you have any plans to retire do you will you be campaigning until the the day you die how what's the future for peter mcvery as
1: long as i have energy i will continue to work for homeless people i have delegated all the responsibility for funding and for organizing our services I'm too old to do that and our organisation has got too big anyway okay. for me to uh, to do that so I've delegated that and now my role is primarily interacting with homeless people listening to them talking to them advising them trying to help them in whatever little way I can mm-hmm. and that's what I want to do I okay. don't want to be sitting at a desk topping <laughs> up figures <laughs> yes, yes. or signing contracts for, for, for buildings sure, uh, sure. so as long as I have energy to do that uh, I'll, I'll continue to
0: so, do that So I'm a very conscious of your time, and you've been very generous for the Peter. So, I, I think really what I'm hearing is the respecting the dignity of the homeless person, giving them the time, yeah. ha- having those conversations.
1: Absolutely, and I, I think we need to remember that behind every homeless person and every drug user, there is a story a story of a life. And often those stories, if you listen to them, would bring tears to your eyes. There's often huge trauma uh, in the childhood or early adulthood of many homeless people and of drug users and if we get to know that story that changes our attitude towards them instead of being scared of them or instead of wanting to keep them at a distance we can begin to build a relationship with them there's a story there every single homeless person every single drug user has has a story
0: okay so on on that note and and i know certainly the next time i'm walking down the street I, i will stop i will chat and i will try and find find out that story Father peter it's been a privilege to meet you and thank thank you very much
1: pleasure thank you very much indeed
0: This podcast is produced
1: by the Beyond Belief team. Join us on Sunday at a quarter to eight for Sunday prayer and at 9pm for Beyond Belief.